0: Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien.
1: Hello and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am your co-host, John O'Brien, coming to you with an uh, allergy-filled uh, voice, allergy-attacked voice here. But, uh, but the show has to go on, and for the audience, I'm here for you. So joined as always by fellow co-host and uh, all-around great person, Chris Martin. Chris, what's going? What's going on today? How are we doing?
0: Hey, John. How are you? I'm. I'm sorry that the allergy bu- allergy bug is uh, making your your sinuses all crazy. I, I feel for you. I do. Okay. But just like just like a trooper, you're you're here. So yeah, I, I appreciate it, and I'm glad that we're uh, getting a chance to talk today. We um, we got a really cool, timely, very timely conversation today, right?
1: We do. We do. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to check in first? Just let them know who you are, Atlas Marketing. You want me to do it for you? I've oh, heard yeah. so much. Uh, Chris Martin, you president of could. Atlas Marketing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How silly of me. I, I forgot yeah. to introduce myself. I apologize to everyone. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Martin. And as John said, I'm with I'm with Atlas Marketing. And uh, we tell stories for people who build things. Man, I, yeah, there's the marketer in me. you know. Like That's the way to go. Uh, Hashtag irony.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. It is.
1: Yeah.
0: And our guest today, who you just heard, yeah, Mike Sloshberg from Allentown. State Representative. rep. I'm yes. Sorry, I apologize. I apologize.
2: I, I've been called worse on a regular basis than my actual name. <laughs> You're good.
0: good. My apologies there. State rep, Mike Sloshberg from the Allentown area. And welcome to the show.
2: Glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Glad you could join us here.
1: Even oh, even. No. Tammy, my little puppy just waited and said hello. I thought I heard a dog. I wondered where that was. (laughs) But but we joke around a little bit, you know. We uh, have a little fun when we talk to each other. But but today's topic, you know, is is uh, very very serious. You know, one that impacts the uh, construction industry uh, especially hard. And uh, so we're just grateful that that Mike's here to talk about it. And uh, today we're talking about mental health. Mm -hmm. And he's doing a lot of a lot of good stuff policy wise when it comes to this issue. And he has a hope for PA. But before we delve into that, maybe just a quick little intro
2: on yourself. Kind of welcome yourself. Welcome yourself to the gang here. Absolutely. And thank you again for having me. More importantly, thanks for. Talking about an unquestionably important issue. So, my name is Mike Schlossberg. I am a Democrat from Allentown, South Whitehall area in uh, Lehigh County. I'm in my fifth term, running for my sixth term as we speak. Uh, In addition to being a state representative, I also get to serve as a House Democratic Caucus Administrator, which is a leadership position. So, it gives me an opportunity to talk about some of the issues that are important to me, to my constituents, and my caucus a little bit louder. And certainly, chief among them is mental health. You know, I don't need to talk about how important the issue is. We all knew it before COVID. And since COVID, I think the prominence of the issue of mental health and mental illness has really risen. And it's risen more than any of us really wish it had. I'm involved in mental health for two reasons. The first is obvious. It's important to my constituents. It's important to Pennsylvania. One in five Americans actively suffers from some sort of mental illness. One in two will over the course of their life. And those numbers are all dramatically rising as a direct result of COVID. Uh, But the second is personal. It's me. I've had depression and anxiety since Thank you. Since I was a little kid, I struggled with suicidal ideation at various points in my life. And I've tried to talk about myself, which is weird for politicians, don't do that too much, but I've tried to talk about myself to destigmatize the issue and to try to remind people that like, look, you know, I, 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 if someone like me can make it, I promise you can too. And I've tried to use that personal experience, not just for stigma purposes, but also to try to make real public policy gains because mental illness is a criminally underfunded area in Pennsylvania. And we have a ton of problems that we've tried to address, especially lately. You know, we actually had some success when it comes to mental illness in the past budget. We put $100 million in for youth-based mental health, and we put $100 million in for one-time adult behavioral health. And I say one time because it's not recurring revenue. So that's a challenge. One-time running is great, but we need recurring revenue that happens year over year if we're ever actually going to do the things that we need to do from a behavioral health perspective, like increase our workforce, create more hospital beds and more spaces, create walk-in crisis centers. So there's there's a lot of need for money right now.
1: Definitely. Yeah, um, s- since you brought it up, you know, 100 million, that's that's a lot of money. And speaking on behalf of probably the, the general public here, every time during the state budget, all these big enormous numbers get thrown out there you know with bees you know your bees and millions yep. this and this you know but what what exactly happens to the money though I mean you, you so, and, and that
2: that is a great question and an important question so hundred million dollars seems like a not the actual truth is it's really not in the context of behavioral health because the needs are well into the billions and that's money that you need to get back year over year. The $100 million for adult behavioral health is actually particularly interesting because the answer to that question of how will that be used is still being determined. So I came forward in early June with what we called it the Hope for PA proposal, which was $100 million in budget revenue that would get used towards a bunch of different mental health initiatives, including workforce development, training for law enforcement officers, increasing wages for county employees, things like that. I proposed that plan. And as things often do with the budget process, the response was no, but because the bones of that plan got put into a $100 million appropriation for one-time funding, that would the use of which would be determined by a 24-member commission of experts, which included members of the legislature, so I've been involved in this commission process, that has been fascinating. And I have to say, I'm actually really glad we went the commission route rather than my route because I was wrong. I didn't have, the commission has been able to develop a much more comprehensive plan that addressed is different issues that I missed. So we've had four meetings. They were long meetings. I think we've had like 17 or 18 hours of meetings. And then I've, like many others, had a bunch of side meetings with folks trying to figure out the best way to spend this money. We've got a draft report available, or we have a draft report right now that should be finalized. Once we accept that report and present it to the legislature, we have to appropriate that money. So the report still has to get approved by the state legislature and signed into law by the governor. So we're we're not there yet, but I do feel reasonably confident about this. You know, when I first proposed my my hope for pa plan the worst response was this is an excellent concept we need to take a closer look at it and that was from republicans who i quite frankly don't agree with on quite a few issues but they acknowledged the severity of the issue they just had questions about the size of the investment and the specifics in my plan which I, i can understand so people know it's an issue And they know it's an issue because others have gotten much louder about it. And certainly because of COVID. Like COVID really changed the mental health landscape Mm -hmm. in a big way.
0: Yeah, it did. Mike, if I can say this to you too. First off, thank you for taking this initiative. And two, for actually putting yourself as kind of the the face of this with with your own personal things. I know I have family members that are, that struggle with anxiety and depression and and, um, as, as well as so many other people too. Can you tell us a little bit about what this hope for PA will do specifically for the construction industry?
2: And that's a great question. And I think one that we have to talk about more often, not just the construction industry, but making sure we localize the conversation about mental health, because all too often we have it in a broader sense, rather than concentrating on issues, on groups of people that are particularly at risk. A large part, I'll use this as an example, a large part of the commission's conversation that we had to, to allocate this $100 million centered around making sure we were adequately dealing with the needs of underrepresented communities. Now, that meant two specific things, communities of color and rural Pennsylvanians, both of which have higher rates of mental illness and less access to treatment. It is important when we have those conversations about specific groups of communities that you have a credible messenger. I am a white urban, suburban legislator. I can't talk credibly the same way that a African-American or Hispanic or Indian-American or rural Pennsylvanian can. And I think one of the most important things we need to do is make sure that we have spokespeople within each industry and subgroup talking to each industry and subgroup because I will never be able to connect with somebody that doesn't look like me or act like me the same way that someone else who does can. So from a construction specific perspective, again, the w- things are still going on right now to try to finalize this plan. But what you're looking at is investments in workforce, in capacity and in law enforcement. So workforce means we need more practitioners. We desperately need more people to be able to address the rise of mental illness. The number one mental health related, cri- related issue we have is there's not enough people in the field. So if a construction worker makes a phone call, they're not going to be able to get help as quickly as they need. And that's not acceptable. From a capacity perspective, we're trying to do a better job of integrating physical and mental health. So making sure the primary care physicians have easier access to resources or training so they can take care of people who need it, as well as creating walk-in crisis centers. You know, if you get the flu, you can go to a walk-in center. We should have something like that for mental health too, especially for people who are starting to approach a real crisis and with some early intervention can be okay. And then the third is law enforcement. That's, a good portion of what police officers deal with is mental health related. If we can create more co-responders like social workers who are trained in mental illness to go on calls and or help give police officers better mental health training, we're going to be in a better position. So to actually do a better job of answering that question, I don't think there's anything specific in here for the construction industry. What I do think is knowing that men and women who are in the construction industry do struggle with mental illness more than the general population, they will see a benefit to more practitioners and more access.
1: And, and also along those lines, is is there a role for groups like KCA that represent a lot of
2: construction companies and construction workers for us in this process? Yeah, and I think there has to be, yes. The role for broad based groups, I think, is to try to get, is to one, try to destigmatize the issue. I'd argue that, and you guys know this better than me, but I would guess that within the construction industry, stigma is more of a problem than it is in other industries, especially industries like, like I would say, construction, law enforcement, farming, and agriculture in places that tend to concentrate on like, Physical prowess and you know, these yeah. what yep. what I would frankly argue is these outdated ideas of masculinity of be tough, mad, and strong. Ooh, I don't need it. we're yeah. trying to address it. So it's, it's and it, well, and that's and that's a benefit. And as you know better than me, that takes time. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah. law enforcement is the same way. Um before COVID, the number one killer of police officers wasn't dying in the line of duty, it was suicide. Hmm. So, like, this is a mass And I would put money down that it was the exact same thing with construction. He had more men and women in construction dying by suicide than he did dying in accidents.
0: So an overwhelming majority of construction yeah. workers yep. dying from suicide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. The job, the, the role of a group like yours would need to be, one, to contribute to stigma destigmatization efforts, but two, to make sure that people in the trade knew how to get the help that they needed. And knowing, again, what, you know, if you're in construction, you are in one of the most stressful jobs from a mental health perspective. People in the construction industry have much higher rates of suicide, mental illness, and substance use and abuse. That's, those challenges are real. So I would think that groups like yours could try to destigmatize and make sure that people there knew how to get the help that they needed
0: and as far as you know the, this hope for pa plan is, is this something that is is it going to be in in, in next year's budget uh, obviously with what's going on with the yep. election and you know everything that, that all yep. has to be laid out but is is that the intent that it mm-hmm. will be in relatively mm-hmm. soon or is
2: this something that we have to wait like years so the 100 million is right now but the hundred million is in one-time funds. hundred million is in money that we got from the federal government, which is great. It has real use. hundred million can make a big difference. But if it's gone next year, it can't make the same sustained long-term difference. So my challenge, right, and the right. challenge of others like me, needs to be to make sure that we continue to give to put more funding into behavioral health year over year. In 2011, 2012, um, the county line item for mental health and substance use and abuse was decreased by 10 percent. It hasn't returned. And that was in 2010 or 2011, 2012 budget cycle. I mean, costs, we all know what inflation has done costs have risen exponentially. And even before inflation, flat, no fund flat funding was basically a funding cut. So we've got this massive need to really help the most disproportionately impacted, the poor who can't get access to health care. And then going forward, though, I would never want anybody listening to think, well, this is just a problem for poor people. It's not because if you try to get a doctor's appointment right now, you might be out of luck for a long, long time. So this is a problem that government has to get more involved with if we're going to actually care for our citizens. I,
0: I know going through COVID, I mean, I I, I believe. From seeing it with my two kids i have two girls that are 18 and 16 they're the ages that are getting affected that were affected yeah. most from covid and so like there's an there is this cycle that one if i can get them out of their bedroom that's that's a huge step but then the phone, also yeah. get them to communicate yeah i mean that's that's all that's they're 16 and 18 you know, right, what right, they right. Do. but the aspect of actually getting involved so it's interesting to see that Admittedly, yes, this show is about the construction industry, but I like that you talked about the hope for PA is not just for construction. Yep. And, and admittedly, you know, mental health is a bigger issue. So that's that's great to hear. And I'm glad to hear that it's it's, it's, it's available now. Yep. Um, so We have, so to, we have
2: to pass the report, but it will be available as soon as we pass the report. Yeah.
0: So here, here's the question. And, and I apologize for the long-windedness, but what can happen once that money is available like i would imagine it's is it going to be like you know thanksgiving day at walmart where everybody yeah, you know get through the doors or or what
2: so the way that the conversations have been that there are a ton of nonprofits, um, healthcare organizations, and the counties that can use this money in an innovative way. So there's probably going to be a bunch of different grant programs, like the co-responder model I was talking about with police officers, get a $500,000 okay. grant to make sure all of your police officers are trained in crisis intervention. So it'll go out basically in grant forms. Again, there was a real conversation about making sure that the money, anybody should have access to the money, but the money should disproportionately go to areas that have traditionally been underserved communities of color and rural Pennsylvanians where access is much harder to get into. I think there was also some conversation about trying to really support innovative programs. So in Lehigh County, that I don't represent these three communities, but we've got Caddy or Catasauqua, Copley and Whitehall. Well, they're all relatively small police departments, but what if they wanted to go in together for a joint uh, co-responder? That would probably go relatively well because they would struggle to fund it on their own without that additional support. So I think that's an area where we're going to wind up leaning as well. Interesting. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I
1: hope so. Yeah. So, so recently, uh, our there was a few from our group that met with uh, met with your your leader, leader <clears throat> McClinton, and we told her that it was kind of an open forum; any topic was you know on the table, and and mm-hmm. we kind of gravitated towards mental health and suicide because that's really hitting our industry pretty hard. And we made the offer to her, and I'll make it to you as well. If if it comes towards public hearings or testimonies or whatever, you know, feel free to reach out to us because. Because we're hit so hard with this issue, we've really surrounded ourselves with a lot of excellent experts on the topic and a lot of good people that are helping us and mm-hmm. we still have a lot of work to do a lot, and, and yeah. people you are helping us along the way, so but just yeah. to keep in mind
2: well, no, and I appreciate that, and that's that's what we're here for. So as things pop up, I will certainly reach out to you folks and please do the same to me. That's what we need to do as a legislature or, and as an elected as elected officials, excuse me, yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah. No, that's good. That's good,
2: and and I think just having the ability
0: to discuss this. I know we've talked about this on previous episodes. You know, mental health and and how to help people, and you know, people on the job site, people at home, wherever. I think just the fact that we're actually having these conversations, in theory, should bring out opportunities where people are 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 getting better. Yeah, you know, hopefully.
2: And it's a conversation that even as recently as a few years ago, I think was much harder to have. So when I first started talking about myself, I did it. I I, like I did an op-ed in our local paper. I started talking about my own struggles after the death of Robin Williams, after the death by suicide of Williams. And. It was a big deal at the time. And the op-ed wound up getting picked up and like five or six other papers. Wow, he's uh, talking, which was great. And I was one of many, not going to say celebrities, but people of a slightly elevated stature that were talking about their own mental health after, after Williams died by suicide. And what I've definitely seen with my colleagues and it has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with where we are as a society is they are much more willing to just casually tweet. Oh, I had a therapy appointment today and it's become <laughs> such a more common like you don't have to come out with a big public announcement anymore, which is great. That's what you want. I laugh about it. So we have uh, uh, Izzy Wade Smith. He's probably going to wind up winning a seat out of Lancaster. So I just as a guy use Twitter way too much. And I tweeted out guys
1: like yeah, on Twitter, so you should check them out.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> So I tweeted out, you know, oh, I can't be that bad of a guy. My therapist, the guy who knows all my demons requested a my old therapist requested a yard sign. How can I be that bad? And Izzy Smith responded with, with a picture of him. He's like, this is my therapist. We're doing doors today. I'm like, oh, my God. But that, like, it was such a casual, like, it, and, and it was such a casual thing. And particularly among younger generations now, they don't even blink about it. It's great. And God bless it. You know, and that's what. Older generations like myself, I think, are moving the needle, but it's a younger generation that's gonna really be the one that says, Oh, whatever, shut up. I don't care.
0: Yeah, I see I know I see that with my kids. It's like, you know, my my oldest daughter is studying psychology. She mm-hmm. recognizes that she wants to help people. I'm very proud of her for that. But she's also great. at the very beginning of that journey. Yeah. You know? And so so it's like you want to see your, you know, your child grow up and do all these great things, but at the same time, you also recognize that. There's such a need right now that, you know, I'd love to be able to project, you know, four or five, six yeah, years right. down the road where she's, you know, in a position where she can do those things. But but yeah, I think you're right. I think the you know younger generations are, are looking at this and saying, you know what, it is what it is. And let's just you're still human. You're still Managed. a person. Yeah. And and we're going to get through it. But my last question for you, Mike, you know, <laughs> what, do, what do you see in terms of whether it's your constituents or just people in general that you're talking with? How can you help them? Like, how can they get help now before this bill becomes a a reality?
2: I mean, the best thing you can always do is call your primary care physician or your insurance company and say, I need help. Where do I go? There are always crisis lines. There's always somebody that you can call and there's always a way to get help. And I would say, one, don't be ashamed, but two, get help early. It is better to get help early and manage a problem before it really becomes much more intractable and much harder to deal with. And get help now and know that you'll be in a better place for it. Because, you know, as am I, I am one of tens of millions of Americans whose life has been saved by therapy and medication. And there's no question you can live a good, healthy life as a result of taking care of yourself. You go to the doctor for physical needs. You should do it for emotional ones, too. Bar none.
1: Yeah, well said.
2: Yeah. And i
1: I have one last question too, and I can't believe this is the final question. I thought this would have been the first one here, but it's called Hope for PA. What's it stand for? And who came up with this? This is awesome. Uh,
2: That was staff. And that was deliberately designed to reflect a message. Like that was a straight up messaging consideration. We called it hope for PA because so, and and I will say that was also one informed by my experiences and many others with mental illness. You lose hope when you have depression, anxiety, substance abuse disorder, you lose hope. You lose the ability to see the forest for the trees to see tomorrow. And our goal needs to be to give people that hope. And if we can get somebody into the help they need, you can give them their hope back
1: healing, opportunity, promise, excellence.
2: Yeah, we definitely when we we did some word searches and we found hope. Like awesome. we wanted to make it hope and that was important.
1: Well, you're giving us hope. You're giving the construction hope so. some yeah. hope. So thank you so much. That's my pleasure.
0: And what a great way to end that conversation. You know, John, that was perfect, man. You that was well placed, man, even though you're in the allergy season, you oh, did boy. a hell of a job. Definitely. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, Mike, I want to thank you for joining us today and really talking about a, a topic that is obviously near and dear to both our, both John and my hearts, but obviously yours as well. And you know, thank you for taking the lead. And we'll, we'll keep an eye on when Hope for PA is, is is passed and the report's available, and we'll keep everybody updated on on our end. And uh, can't wait to
2: wish you the best when it, when it's done. Thank you, guys, very much. Thank for the opportunity. I look forward to talking more about this.
0: Thank you for joining the Building PA podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.